This is Dr. Matthew Sandoval with a transmission from the year 2050. I'm bringing good news. We have successfully transformed cancel culture into council culture. Hi, my name is Johan Kalilian. As an executive coach, I time travel with people. I get to help people create their future from their future. One of the guiding principles that we use as coaches is how future-based language transforms the way the world occurs to us. In other words, the way you speak about tomorrow shifts the way you look at the world today. It also shifts how you interact with that world. Join me as we write a letter from the future with love. And so, to but that's how people greet each other in the future. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay, now I need to go there quick. How do I teleport? Can I teleport with you? Uh, we don't take any people back. Dang it. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, I see yeah. how it is. Well, I mean, we do on occasion, but it does come with an anal probe. Oh, uh, well, then, okay, maybe I'll just out. stick around. I'll just stick around then. What is your favorite time travel movie? Oh, did I stump you? You know... Did I stump you? No, you did not stump me. I feel like people are not well, hold well on, hold on, hold on. in time travel films. Well, no, let's go through the list. I mean, the obvious one, because we are of the same age. Uh, the touchstone for me was Back to the Future. Right. I think that was the first time travel movie I ever saw. I talk about that in uh, my first episode. Oh, you do? Back to the Future? Mm-hmm. Uh, Back to the Future 3 doesn't necessarily count because that was just a yeah, we're just piss gonna, poor movie. Yeah, that, that second one was really bad, too. Uh, but there is that, uh, didn't Jean-Claude Van Damme do one where he time travels? Oh, he did, yes. Time, I think, time, time cop? No, no, not time cop. This is true. Wait, no, I was going to say, was Dennis Rodman in there? But that was maybe like double impact. Dennis? Yeah, that Dennis was... Dennis Rodman was in a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. They did a movie together? Yeah, oh, what a busted ass movie. Was, I don't that think was, that was a time travel it. one, though. Uh, to, so what, what so would Back to one? the Future. Back to the Future. Okay. The Matrix? Matrix is not a time travel movie. Well, they kind of travel around no. things. <laughs> okay, <laughs> now your credibility is just... You're just and I've still, seen the Matrix multiple times, yeah. too. Um, well, are you still a, a professor in 2050? Uh, no. You're I'm not, not even sure I'm a professor in 2021, bro. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, let, let people know, like, who are you? What do you do? Uh, I, am, I am Dr. Matthew Sandoval. That's the one you got to introduce. I am. This is the good doctor. Dr. Matthew Sandoval. And I say that because uh, I have to say doctor. At this point, Jesus Lord, I went through so much schooling just to get here. It would be a shame if I didn't use those those credentials. And I tell my students this all the time and why I insist that they call me Dr. Sandoval because I put in the work. You put in the work, bro. I, I didn't have hardly anybody in my family who ever went to college. I was one of the first people to go to college and actually finish and get a degree. Then to go on and get a master's degree was just like, yo, what the hell is this kid doing? Mm -hmm. To go on and get a PhD was just like, yo, this don't make no sense, especially if you know where I come from. Mm -hmm. So I'm very, like, I had to put in a lot of work. So I'm very proud of saying uh, DR. The DR. So what what was the most, I mean, in terms of overcoming something 
that you almost were like, I don't know, this is too big. I don't know if I can overcome this. Like, what was that for you to get to where you're at right now? To be honest, bro, I think it was um, not even having a model of what I was doing. To be very, to be very real about it, I, I think that some people take that for granted sometimes. If you come from a family or you just come from a community or a social upbringing where college is expectation uh, or is expected or uh, even a postgraduate studies are expected, you know what I mean? Like I had no model for what I was doing. I felt like a constant outsider just to myself because I, I was like, I don't know other people who have ever pers- pursued a master's. Mm-hmm. And then after I did that, I was like, I, don't, I literally don't know anybody in my life, in my long life who pursued a PhD. I don't know what that looks like at the end of it. And it's very difficult to do something where you don't have a picture of what it looks like at the end. It was very, very difficult for me. I would I say that you, was a big... I want you to say that again. It was very difficult for me to accomplish it when I didn't have the vision of it, of what yeah. the, the end goal is. I just didn't have that. And so I felt like I was constantly um, just working in relation to a big question mark. Yeah. And that was, I would say that that was the most difficult part. And that's, I mean, you know, that's part of why <laughs> I wanted to create this show, hmm. right? Is like, let's create the vision of a future. It's to talk to poor people? Yeah. Right. Well, <laughs> well, well, that's a big part of it, right? Because it's like, I think both when I come from a same type of situation where we didn't know what we were aiming at. Yeah. We didn't have the vision. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of like fumbled our way and we figured it out. Yeah. But I think we could have had a shortcut had someone given us a specific bullseye or, or a map. Yeah. And and for me, you know, to create the show to say, hey, what if we, we thought about all the things, all the visions, all the things that we wanted to create in the future that would make the world a better place. Yeah. And let's reverse engineer it. So that's why mm-hmm. we're going into 2050 to say it exists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's here. Yeah. Right. And then now we get to figure out, okay, how did we get there? Totally. Um, that makes sense. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, because it, like, like you just said, that was an instrumental part of like kind of just figuring out your way and, and I had to learning how to be a man, learning how to be a professor, <laughs> learning how to be a doctor, True, learning, learning how, to, how to be everything, learning even blank. how to be a man, you know, like my pops wasn't around. I had all of these question marks, like the, I didn't have models for that. And I didn't have somebody who showed me how to shape the vision for myself to achieve that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, self-made man, self-made, self-made. And a big thing that I wanted to talk about today, you know, as you come from the future is um, I listened to one of your transmissions actually. And um, I heard you talking about how cancel culture no longer exists in the year 2050. Oh yeah. We've canceled cancel. You have canceled cancel culture. Which sounds counterintuitive, but it ended up being the right choice. (laughs) It's the right choice. What did you replace it with? Healing and education. Mm. I mean, that is just a given with living the human experience at all. Yeah. Uh, and that was the biggest downside of cancel culture is forgetting that people are always in constant development. And I think, um, you know, looking back in 2020 or even in from 2010 to 2020, the, the rise of cancel culture, that shit happens mainly because people hold other people to a standard and forget that their growth and development is part of it, that people are mm-hmm. always unfinished. I think that that's just a, a general truism of our society is that we forget people are unfinished or people are in the process. And that to me is what leads to so much cancellation and cancellation culture. Right. Uh, because, and granted, whether it was racist, whether it was sexist, homophobic, et cetera, et cetera, you know what I mean? Not politically correct in some shape or capacity. Uh, yes, people have done or said, stupid shit, but 
we also have to be in a process where we say, okay, yes, you f***ed up, but this is your opportunity to learn. This is your right. opportunity to heal and really listening and, and hearing as opposed to canceling or deplatforming or, or whatever we might want to think about. So that became uh, something that we had to pursue in 2050, something that we've achieved in 2050. Yeah, because yeah, to me, uh, it sounds like creating uh, forgiveness culture, creating restoration culture. Sure creating reconciliation culture like you said healing culture there's education there there is hope in humanity because what i see right now we're dealing with in 2020 um in regards to cancel culture is at the core of it i really believe what we have going on here is revenge culture Mm. Mm. come with it you know and and we we i mean i think that's part of why we love also revenge movies it's like we like to see the person who's had something done to them or they've Absolutely. been wrong and then we want to enact revenge we want to go kill the people that did right there's something Absolutely. in us when we watch those movies we're like yeah we're rooting for that person to sure. go just slay everyone sure that did them wrong and i think that's part of almost the hit that we're getting that is a part of a drug in our society right now like i think we're addicted to revenge revenge um, i think you know and that's the thing to look at what it means to live in an eye for an eye culture hmm. and there's there's quotes around there right it's like everybody turns up blind sure, and i sure. don't think we it's have this, right right i don't think we have the solvent i don't think we have the thing that's like now great you just canceled people yeah where do we go from here that's interesting that you say that it's revenge though because i i had always kind of put it in the confines of like uh like disciplining or punishing people like it's a punishment not that those two things are revenge and punishment are some somehow synonymous but your revenge takes it to a whole other level i wasn't really thinking on those well because well that's what i'm saying is like you know because canceling to me at the essence of it is revenge right Mm. Because if we if it was discipline, because I think maybe that's even like a healthier sure. mode. Yeah, like yeah. How do we how do we actually create a form of discipline for somebody who has done something that's dysfunctional, unhealthy sure. for themselves, for the culture? I mean, even if we connect it to what it means to be a parent and to discipline your child, sure. Like you're not well, you're not my son anymore. You're yeah, not yeah, my yeah, daughter yeah. anymore. You're done. Get out of the house. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, no, it, there is a process, right? Yeah. Because that's what we're doing to people right now. We're like, you did the one thing, 100%. you're gone, you you know, you no you longer have your position, yeah. right? You don't, you don't have your job anymore. You're, we're going to try to kick you out of whatever status that you have. 100%. Right? That's, yeah. to me, that's revenge. That, and, that and imagine revenge. any parent disciplining their son or with their daughter mindset. with a revenge mindset. Yeah. I've always been fascinated by the story of Judas. Yes, I'm talking about the guy who portrayed Jesus. You know, the guy whose name has become synonymous with betrayal? Well, here's the short version of the story. According to my faith tradition, he was one of 12 people who Jesus selected to teach and live life with. Judas witnessed Jesus heal the sick, feed the hungry, and even walk on water. He treated Judas like a brother. And after all of that, Judas chose to sell Jesus out to the Roman Empire for 30 pieces of silver. Then the Roman Empire executed Jesus publicly on a cross. Judas has gone down as the most infamous traitor in human history. I mean, how do you, how do, you do something like that, right? And how low do you have to go to betray someone who treated you so well because... Because that's just low. 
What kind of a person does that? What was going through Judas's mind when he made that choice? Was he in need of money? Was he jealous of Jesus? I mean, what was it? And these are questions that we will never know the answers to because Judas shortly after hung himself. It weighed on him so much that he took his own life. And from what I believe about Jesus, it probably broke Jesus's heart. I'm sure he wanted Judas to be restored through reconciliation and forgiveness. From what I believe about Jesus, he came to earth to die for people just like Judas, people who society wants to cancel. Jesus actually wants to forgive. When he was breathing his last breath on the cross, he said, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Now, you may be listening to this and say, well, Johan, I, I don't believe in Jesus. If you're listening to this and wondering what cancel culture is, here's a working definition. Cancel culture refers to the popular practice of withdrawing support for canceling public figures and companies after they have done or said something considered objectionable or offensive. Cancel culture is generally discussed as being performed on social media in the form of group shaming. Which brings us back to what Judas did. See, he, he didn't break a law. He took money and gave information that aided the Roman government at the time. What he did was objectionable. What he did was offensive, but it wasn't illegal. And that's why you may say, Judas should be canceled. And maybe you're right. Maybe a world full of vengeance and retribution is safer. Maybe that's why we love revenge movies so much. You guys know what I'm talking about? Maybe, maybe we need to pray to someone like, like Liam Neeson from Taken instead of someone like Jesus from the Bible. Someone who will swiftly strike down anyone who does us wrong, anyone who offends us, anyone who, who does something objectionable. That sounds like a leader our world can get behind. Wait, wait a minute. That sounds like our current president in 2020, I recently watched a 35-minute sit-down Axios interview with President Trump. And Axios national political correspondent Jonathan Swan asked Trump about how history would remember civil rights icon John Lewis, who died last month from pancreatic cancer. To which Trump responds, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know John Lewis. He chose not to come to my inauguration. I never met John Lewis. And I just remember I, I was sitting there thinking to myself, what a response. Like I couldn't quite fathom how the president of the United States was taking his vengeance out on a dead man, right? He was canceling a dead man because he didn't go to his inauguration. That seems to be the reputation of our current president in the United States. He is canceler in chief of the United States of America. And I believe cancel culture gained a lot of steam because Donald Trump was elected president. People saw a man who was left unchecked rise to the highest office in America. What started as a way for normal people like you and I to check power has turned into a way of socially beheading anyone we deem guilty of an inexcusable offense. Comedian Sarah Silverman called cancel culture righteousness porn. And she has a point, because once you get a taste of the social currency, right, once you get a taste of what we have to do 
to take someone with clout down, it becomes addictive. We want to do it over and over again because we think what we're doing is right. It's good. It's just. Adrian Matei penned an article titled Call Out Culture, How to Get It Right and Wrong. In it, she states, by ganging up on an individual, you're taking this moral high ground with a lot of righteous indignation and inviting others to participate in a public shaming exercise, which is rarely productive, says Anna Richards, a therapist specializing in conflict mediation. In the last few years, we have canceled Kanye West, Roseanne Barr, Al Franken, Aziz Ansari, Ellen DeGeneres, the list of well-known names is endless. Do these famous people need to be checked? Yes. Do they deserve consequences for their actions? Absolutely. But what about when a law isn't broken? What if our sensibilities have been violated? Is that deserving of being canceled? When people break laws, famous or not, we must find a way to bring about justice. They must be held accountable. But what comes after, though? What if we're creating a whole new problem? What if we're creating a world devoid of forgiveness and redemption? What if cancel culture is canceling a vital part of our humanity, our capacity to love and heal and restore one another into community? Um, yeah, that's really interesting. I hadn't thought about it. It's also very, uh, I mean, you'll have to tell me, but. Uh, to me, cancel culture also seems anti-Christian. Now, I'm coming at it from a completely different 100%. Uh, vantage point because I'm not Christian. But it seems to me like the having read the New Testament, not even to speak about uh, the Hebrew Bible, aka the Old Testament, just talk about the New Testament. It seems to me like a through line is forgiveness. 100%. Um, what, yeah, that that's just a through line that we have to find ways to forgive uh, if for no other reason than a constant reminder that we are not God uh, and therefore do not have the capacity to punish, to, uh, to you know, and all those things. Um, yeah, it seems anti-Christian. And yet I would say that I imagine that many people who participate in cancel culture uh, are Christian, but aren't necessarily thinking about how cancel culture aligns with their spiritual values, religious mm -hmm. values, personal values, et cetera. It's, it's more just the epoch that we live in where everything gets canceled because somebody made a mistake. Right. And I understand that mistakes can be of various magnitude of the list. I know right. that yeah. Scarly Joe is yeah. canceled. Kanye's been canceled. Kanye. Roseanne Barr has been canceled. Harry Potter uh, is canceled. Oh, yeah. What's her name? Uh, uh, J.K. Rowling. Rowling. A girl that you know I've dated in the past was canceled. Canceled, absolutely. Uh, we're not going to mention her. Today, we're not going to mention her name, but, but that, she was canceled. That cancellation, well, no. but that's a great example because honestly, her cancellation is coming from things that she said publicly, right? Which show that she has a lot to learn. Not that she's a horrible person. That right. she just has a lot to learn about history, culture, race, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's all things that can be achieved. That's not a reason to throw a human being away or even to throw her career away. Uh, it's to say that some intervention needs to be made in order to like make sure this person's good. Yeah. Because we want to help them blossom and bloom as a human being in the course of their life and not throw them away. Right. Well, I think, I mean, and that's the thing is I don't think what our I don't think our culture understands the ramifications of strictly a cancel culture with no healing or no restoration. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I think, yeah. I think we, 
we've become so proficient at just pointing someone out, at canceling them, that from a wisdom standpoint, we can't see where that leads us. I think you're 100% correct. And I say that we have a couple things that are making us think that way. One is the prison industrial complex. And I hate to bring everything back to that, but just the idea that we have accepted as a cultural well, logic. That well, we I can... would say that's ultimate cancel culture. Exactly. So, and, and that to me, because most, I would, you know, because for me, I think you and I love going back and forth politically because we're, we're not classic conservatives or liberals. No. We can dabble in whatever field at any time. But mm-hmm. I think most liberals who would be a part of cancel culture mm-hmm. would point the finger and be like, the prison system's wrong. Prison and system's I'm like, up. hold on. <laughs> like you, so you want to cancel folks. Yes. And then this prison system is rooted in a cancel culture that's systemic. Yes. But now we want to do that without any checks or balances yeah. in the public on Twitter, on IG. And we're okay with that. Yeah. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. There's a, there's a huge gap in logic there. Yeah. Um, And that's the thing. But because we've gotten so used to the idea that human beings are disposable and can be thrown away with regards to the prison system, that is like somebody's done something wrong. Uh, How do we deal with them? Uh, It's going to be too much. It's going to be too difficult for us to think about really what to do with them to help them heal. It's a lot of work. It's so much easier to just throw them away into a dungeon, lock the key and just just forget about it. Just Mm -hmm. forget about that human being. And we'll deal with them later when they get released. And even then we won't really deal with them. You know what I mean? Like just that idea that we have has so ingrained into our cultural psyche that human beings are disposable in some capacity, whether that's the prison system, whether that's, um, I mean, just war in general, our war mindset. Uh, in all these ways, we get so many cultural signals that people are disposable. Uh, it's, it's our working it, the way that we allow people to work under capitalism, that they're disposable workers. They can be replaced with some other worker who can do the job just as well. We're not invested in that human being. We're only invested in their labor capacity, which can be performed by another laborer. Like even those human beings are disposable. So we just live in a, in a society and in a culture where disposability is paramount for our understanding of human beings in 2020 in 2050, because I'm a time traveler. I'm coming back to you to tell you that uh, cancel culture is doesn't exist precisely because we have found new ways to value human beings as something other than non-disposable entities to really see that all human beings have value, to see that all human beings are constantly in process. I mean, but we know, you know this, you know this, I know this, and, and I have to know this because I'm an educator. If I were to go into that classroom and encounter the 18-year-old kid in week one who is intellectually where he's at and say, oh man, this kid messed up on this essay. This kid is done because obviously he can't perform and he's not up to snuff. And therefore I'm just doing away with them and not going to care about him. No, my idea is like they are there to grow and I have to be invested in their growth. I can't just throw some students away because they don't have the abilities right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to help them gain those abilities. I have to help them gain the insights that they need. Uh, there was a, a time in my life when I didn't know all the things that I knew. When I did some, I've done a ton of crazy shit. You know what I mean? And I've learned from a lot of those things. You know what I right. mean? And people who love me didn't give up on me. And people right. who really cared about my growth didn't cancel well, me because like I, I did or said something that was stupid. Right. And from what I understand... You know, so thinking about most people who subscribe to cancel culture, I think what they would say is, 
Well, this is for people who are in power, people who have means, mm. right? People mm. who have money, power, fame, who exploit others. Sure. You know, who misuse their power. And that's why we're canceling them is because it's different than somebody who's in a you know a school setting. Sure. And like you get a bad grade. Like I think most people would be like, oh yeah, great. Like let's teach them. But for whatever reason, you know, when it comes to because I think we've lost faith in and I, and I think this is rooted in the fact that who our president is right now. It's <laughs> here's a guy where you see. Oh, that's right. You guys still have uh, that reality TV show uh, right. president. Yes. Yeah. Got sure you. To, um, Donald Trump is his name. Got you. Yeah. And so here's a guy who was unchecked mm. for a long time. And I think that's what people started to see. Look what happens when you don't check people who have fame, who have power, who have sure. authority, who have money. They become the president of the United States. And yeah. then they, they, you know. And so I think now people were responding to that and be like, okay, now we have to we have to cancel anybody who's showing any signs of that because we want to make sure they don't rise to that level of power again. Sure. So now for me it would be, well, then how do we create a healthy checks and balance system for people who are misusing their power, for people who have fame, for people who have money, and really disciplining them? To me, it would be how do we discipline them or how do we create a system of justice for them? as opposed to just canceling them outright? Well, I mean, that's a really tough question. I would say because when I hear things like cancel culture and see it applied, it is primarily to celebrities or somebody of like status. I hadn't really thought about it in relation to like political figures being canceled. I mean, Uh, Al Franken, you know. Oh shit, that's right. He did get canceled. But what did he get canceled for? He had a picture where he- Yeah, there was like a Me Too story about him. Uh, There was a picture that was inappropriate. Yeah. And should that make him a, uh, should that not make him a senator? Because he was a senator at the time. Right. I mean, perhaps, but uh, perhaps you step down uh, from your position because you're like, I did something in my past. Uh, but on the other hand, <laughs> it's very funny that although Al Franken has, you know, been deplatformed, canceled, et cetera, for whatever he did with this young woman. And I, I can only vaguely remember those a couple of years ago. On the other hand, the Democrats are running currently, and I know this because I've read the news, uh, a, a presidential candidate who's got a litany right. of sexual harassment, sexual violation, and sexual assault uh, right. accusations hurled at him. And, and this is people who the left and liberals are like saying, he has to be the one. He has right. to be the one. We have to throw our full support behind this. So cancel cancel culture isn't even uniform in its own place. That some some celebrities, it's fine if some people of power and celebrity get canceled. But when it's politically convenient for us to not cancel somebody, then we're not going to cancel them because we need them to cancel out this other person who should have been canceled a long time ago. Right. So yeah. I remember I was part of a, early on, I became a Christian when I was 20. And, oh, really? Yeah, I was 20 years old. And I remember the first church I was a part of, to, the pastor did a Q&A with the people in the congregation. And one of the guys, he got up and he's, he raised his hand. He's like, I got my question. He's like, should we forgive the devil? Ooh, ooh. And I was like, wow. I'm like... <laughs> Uh, you know, all of us were kind of taken aback because we were like, I don't know. <laughs> this, is, this is a great question. Yeah, like, great. Should it? And it was funny because the pastor, without blinking, was like, nope. No, really? Yeah, he was just like, nope. 
And he's like, the devil's not asking for forgiveness. And that always stuck with me mm-hmm. because I'm like, I thought it's a great question and a great opportunity for us to really dig into the, the depth and the power of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. It's like, is there such a thing as someone who's so far gone that there's no healing, that there's no coming back, that there's no restoration, that there's no reconciliation. And what if there was a passageway, no matter how bad you are, even if you're the devil himself, would we allow someone to truly change? But what if it was possible? What would be the pathway? Would we allow that person back into the village? And that's a really heavy question. I mean, I would say that it's hard for me to say that no human being is uh, without redemption. I I feel like a fundamental driving force in my idea, indeed the work that I do, has to be that everybody has the potential for greatness or or that nobody is beyond redemption at the very least. Judas, not excluded. The fact that the man felt so much shame that he had to kill himself, you can only imagine uh, what a life wrapped with shame. Mm -hmm. To feel shame that deeply means that that person was in so much pain physical, mental, spiritual anguish that they couldn't even bear to be in their own skin anymore. You don't want to wish that upon anybody. Right. You really don't want to wish that. I mean, I certainly know that there are plenty of people probably listening who would be listening to this podcast who are like, no, I would like to see somebody suffer that much. To me, I can't. I just can't. And I say that as a non-Christian uh, who's, still, right. who's still down with Jesus. You know, if I, I have to take the Jesus stance on that, which is that you can't give up on, on people. Right. To me, it's like, that's where we don't put enough time and energy in saying, how do we truly restore someone? Sure. What is the path to redemption? Yeah. And what if we were to put as much time and energy as we put in canceling mm. into redemption and restoration, restoration and healing? Yeah. And, and I mean, and I think that's the thing is, is that something that we even want as a culture? Because I feel like I've talked to a lot of folks Mm. and it's split. I would say it's split. I think Mm -hmm. there's people who have tender, compassionate hearts who would say what we're saying right now, which is, yeah, there's a pathway for everybody, no matter how evil that person is. And then there's other folks that I think are rooted in the revenge that they're like, no, like what? That there just comes a point where somebody has to be done away with. They got to suffer forever. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which to me, again, it's like we were creating a living hell and I, it's fascinating That's because it. I, I, it's fascinating to me because I think most of those people would say, I don't think hell exists. Mm. I don't think mm. it's fair for God to send people to a never ending like torture chamber. Yeah, absolutely. And then that's part of the world that we've created. Yes. Where we want people to just suffer for their actions sure. for the rest of their days. Damn, bro. Is, uh, is cancel culture a creation of the devil? Is prison system the creation of the devil. I would say 100%. <laughs> I would say yes. Yo, that's heavy, bro. Right? This is what heavy. we do. This is what we do here. <laughs> this is what we do. <laughs> the devil created. And I, and I think, well, that's the thing is part of what I want to even, you know, because as, as we create this context for this show to say, here's why you're traveling in the, from the future because if we don't nip, you know, it's like those, that's most time, time traveler movies, right? Sure, of course. If we don't nip this in the bud right now, here's the other reality, like, because here's what I'm coming from, this hope-filled future. Mm-hmm. But if we don't do this work, X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. then guess what, guys? It's it's more of, of this. Yeah. And creating that picture of like, imagine where a world where it's just nonstop revenge. In a world. Right? In, right? A, world. in a world. 
right? It's just a, it's a cycle. So it is a living hell. And I think that cliche exists for a reason. Sure. Because if we pe- don't, because yeah, people aren't doing the work now of saying, okay, what do, what are the impetuses that make us behave as a society and culture? And what is that going to reproduce and replicate exactly in the future? And, and cause here's part of it for me, it's for us taking into consideration how have we built these monsters that we now want to destroy, hmm. right? So we love worshiping people based on talent. Hmm. And I think what we've not taken into consideration is how important character is. So we worship talent. Hmm. You're good at singing. You're good at making movies. You're sure, good at producing. But, but what is your character? Because yeah. if we were just as great as a society sure. as ba- at valuing character, I think this this issue would not be as big. Sure. But but we let people get big who are just good at things instead of good people. Sure. And then they get to a place where we want to tear them down after we've been a part of building them up. Sure. But that's because the United States of America in 2020 and in the 21st century is more interested in and has been for a while in illusion and dream and hyper-reality as opposed to reality. It's the reason why you have a, um, a president who's a reality TV star. Right. We're more interested in the surface and shine of something than in the depth of character, just more generally as a, as a cultural milieu. Uh, I, that's just what we're interested in more generally, I would say. Yeah. Not even just with regards to celebrity. Celebrity is just where it happens the most. We don't really care about their character. And even if we want to watch these celebrities in reality TV show, we don't really, really, really want to see their internal character. We want to see it, uh, the facade of it. We want to see the performance of it, the performativity of it, and not the real thing. Because the real thing is too much for us to actually look at. Right. Now back to Judas. I've always wondered, what would his life have looked like if he asked Jesus for forgiveness? You know, sometimes when I share this idea with Christians and and I'm a follower of Jesus myself, they get offended. They act like Judas hanging himself is necessary to the Christian faith or something like. There are some Christians that are actually happy Judas canceled himself. I mean, how can people who claim to belong to a faith centered around forgiveness and grace be so unwilling to forgive? It's fascinating to me. People who say they want and need forgiveness refuse to forgive those who need it most. And let's be honest, it's not just Christians. It's all of us. We want to punish people more than we want to see them change. We want to cancel them more than we want to restore them. We want Judas to hang himself. Heck, we want to hang him ourselves. We want people to get what they deserve, right? Like, wait, we just want revenge. And could you imagine if Judas had a change of heart? What if he returned the silver, then rushed to the foot of the cross and begged, pleaded for Jesus to forgive him? What do you think Jesus would say? How would he respond? I mean, we kind of know how he would respond. How would you respond? You'd probably go Liam Neeson on him, right? I mean, that's what I would be tempted to do. Jesus is literally dying an excruciating death, and the man who played a significant role in putting him there was now saying, my bad. 
Does someone like that deserve forgiveness? Our current world says he deserves to trade places with Jesus. He deserves to be canceled. Even if Jesus chose to forgive him, what would the other disciples do? I feel like they'd cancel him. They'd cut him off. They'd ignore him. They'd make sure his life was ruined. Wouldn't they? Wouldn't you? But imagine something for a second. Imagine the person you love most being canceled. Imagine you're the one being canceled. Would you want a second chance? I know I would. Now imagine a world where everyone has done something cancel-worthy. That doesn't take much of imagination, does it? That's our world. We all have moments in our life that if put under a microscope would be damning. We've all said and done something that we're ashamed of. We've all said and done something offensive or hurtful. We've all felt the shame of poor choices. We've all been Judas at some point. Now imagine where we would be without forgiveness and redemption. What would life be like if our worst moments were our defining moments? What type of world would this be if we couldn't mess up and say, I'm sorry? That's why Mateo chose to visit us from the future, because that is the type of world cancel culture is creating. That's the type of world he wants to save us from. See, Mateo is coming to us from the future with love, and he's bringing us good news. In the future, cancel culture is no more. In the future, there's hope for me and you. In the future, traitors like Judas can start again. It's impossible to get through life without f***ing up along the way. I mean, that's as true for me as it is for you. Hell, it was as true for Jesus as it was for Buddha. We all f***. We all fall short. We all inflict suffering upon others. We are, in a word, imperfect. I'm going to say that again. We are imperfect. I mean, we all have reasons we could have been canceled. I could have been canceled because at one point, I was horrified by my gay roommate's sexuality. I know. Imagine if that had, if that had been tweeted. I could have been canceled at one point for throwing a Taco Bell taco at a homeless dude on the street. I know. Long story. But imagine if that had been put on Instagram. Now imagine if your worst moments were put on blast. You could have been canceled. But I'm here to report that in 2050, we have dun, 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 canceled cancel culture. Around 2025, cancel culture was so out of hand, everyone was living in fear of saying or doing the wrong thing. We had no path to restore people when they made mistakes. We were rooted in resentment and we refused to give people second chances. We lost one of the most beautiful aspects of what makes us human. R-E-D-E-M-P-T-I-O-N, redemption. How do we do better? How do we become better? How do we encourage others to do better, become better? Well, through struggle, through pain, through a collective recognition of how we fell short and inflicted pain upon others, we learned. We learned. We learned to consult. We learned to forgive. 
we learn to redeem. We learn that it was far better to counsel an imperfect person back to the path of righteousness than to toss them into the gutter of neglect or sinkhole of social and spiritual incarceration. We learn that by counseling, instead of canceling, we weren't just saving an imperfect person, we were saving our imperfect selves. We were redeeming an imperfect world. This is the good news. No human being deserves cancellation, but every human being deserves consultation. On the next episode of From the Future with Love, we'll be talking about a noble future. We'll speak with a very special guest, another one of my best friends in the whole world and fellow Novus Global coach, Jason Jaggard. In fact, Jason is the founder and CEO of Novus Global. He will be visiting us from a not so far off future where humanity is fueled by our common pursuit of nobility. My friends, you won't want to miss it. From the Future with Love was written and performed by yours truly, Johan Kalilian, produced by Rithu Jagannath and Matthew Jones, executive produced by Jason Jaggard, fact-checked by Rithu Jagannath, editing, mix, and tech production by Hammond Chamberlain, photography by Jess Kaler, and graphic design by Ivan Lizarde. Special thanks to Mateo Sandoval for visiting us from the future and to everyone who is a part of our time traveler community. Thank you and I'll see you in the future.